0: the Gospel reading. Jesus is, uh, as last week, those of you who remember, uh, Jesus is now in Jerusalem. This is near the end of his teaching ministry. Uh, and all the way through Mark, it's constantly been leading to Jerusalem, which should be a wonderful thing. But you get lots of clues in Mark that it's not going to be that. And of course, we know the story of what happens in Jerusalem. But they're in Jerusalem and they're at the temple. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearances say long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which are worth a penny. Then he called to his disciples and he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. For the word of God in scripture for the word of God among us for the word of God within us the movies when I was a kid you'd go to see a sea of western and the good guys always wore white and the bad guys always wore black and it was all clear contrast if there was ever a reading of contrast it's this one they're linked together with the word widow, which is the only two places where this word ever appears in the Gospel of Mark. And it really is a text of contrast, isn't it? You've got the rich with their long robes, looking for respect, people who have the places of honour. There's many of them. They take up space. And a widow, it's the opposite. It is not... It respected, she's poor she's the lowest of the low she's small, she puts in tiny copper coins somebody's wearing the white hats and somebody's wearing the black hats it's really, really obvious, isn't it? and that's why the lectionary links them together that's why Mark links the two bits together and something here is desperately lo- wrong wrong They live in a system developed on the lines of the Psalm 145 that we read this week and last week. A system that is designed to bring justice and care and concern for all the people. Something is dreadfully wrong when the whole purpose of the system is to care for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger. This is the community that developed the whole idea of the year of jubilee, where when things get out of kilter, as they do, because I'm in trouble and you're not, and I borrow from you and then I have to pay you back and things get out of kilter and, as Midnight Oil told us, the rich get richer and the poor get the picture. So we invented an idea that we would, every 50 years, would stop that and just dissolve all debts. Unfortunately, historians have not been able to figure out whether the the Hebrew people ever managed to do a year of jubilee. But what a thing that they're reaching for! And now look at this—look at the mess they're in. It's just a real mess. In fact, such a mess that Jesus will say next week—or who knows when? How how many days in between? But it's a week for us in next week's lectionary. Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. All of it will be gone. What an indictment. This is supposed to be the centre of everything. This is supposed to be the great commonwealth, the word that we use to describe Australia. That's what it's supposed to be. We often used to talk about Australia as the worker's paradise or the working man's paradise, because it was only men who were allowed to work. The worker's paradise will... We've got these dreams, but look what's happened. We've got the rich exploiting the poor all the way through this story. And it's it's difficult to understand everybody's motivation of what's going on here. Is Jesus interested in reform or destruction? If you take next week's reading, maybe he just wants it all gone. Maybe he doesn't think it's possible to to redeem a system that has become so corrupt. Is he condemning the rich and praising the woman? Well, it's not that clear. He doesn't seem to be praising the woman. He surely has a completely different understanding of economics. Somehow, what the woman is contributing is worth far more than what the rich are contributing. For they've contributed out of their abundance and she, out of all she had... Is that a good thing? Well, that's not clear either. Jesus isn't very clear about this at all. Does he mean that she should have contributed all she had? Or she was forced to contribute all she had? Or the system had become so corrupt that there was no alternative? It's not really clear. And what about the motivation of the woman? Why does she put in everything she has? Is it out of fear that God will punish her if she doesn't contribute to the treasury? Is it if I put in everything I have, I will demonstrate to God my piety and God will pay attention because I am in desperate need? Or is it a kind of existential act of despair? Bugger it all. Just toss the lot in. What's the point? Two coins, what are they going to do? Give me half a day's food, that's it, I'm I'm done, it's all over. The only, the only motivations that are pretty clear are those of the rich, aren't they? They walk around in long robes and want to be greeted with respect in the marketplace, have the best seats and blah 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 blah. Pick up any celebrity magazine, read anything about the rich who suddenly have a desire to shoot themselves into space and Then come back. I I like the first bit, but anyway, they're back and telling us how wonderful it is and how it'll be beneficial to all of us, except of course if you work at Amazon and then you can't afford to have a break to go to the toilet, and you can't afford your groceries. We don't need their behaviour explained to us. We get it. We know. You know why we get it because we see it in ourselves. I don't mind, I'm wearing long robes at the moment, so I've got to be really careful how I talk about this. But we don't mind a bit of, you know, a bit of a polish, just to make ourselves a little bit better in any circumstance, a little bit cleverer, a little bit less sort of tawdry, as we often feel ourselves to be inside. We just kind of give ourselves a bit of a polish. We've got whole industries built on it. And that's just the way it is, but we get it. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we can recognise ourselves in these guys. And that's, I think, uh, the point at the heart of this. This is an actual, it's a contrast between the rich and the poor, yes. But I think much more profoundly, it's a contrast between truth and lies. The scribes, and here we have to clarify what we're talking about, if you've read this week's Clayton, you'll notice that I mentioned in, in the Greek language there are no punctuation marks. So scholars, when they're translating into English, have to figure out where punctuation should go and put it in. In some of the... In the majority of the English texts, the, there's a, a comma after scribes. So basically it's saying all of the scribes are corrupt. But if you took the comma out, it might say, or you, you would then read it as saying, the scribes who are like this you should avoid them and given that last week Jesus met a scribe who himself Jesus said was not far from the kingdom of God it's possible that Jesus isn't willing to condemn all scribes and look what the mess we've gotten into with anti semitism and you don't need to know about the pogroms of the middle ages and the second world war to know what damage we've done by all so I think we should take the comma out. The scribes who are like this are living a lie. A better translation of the words that say they devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearances say long prayers is, most scholars say, it's better translated as they devour widows' houses as they are saying long prayers. At the same time as they're being pious, they're ripping off the poor. And there's nobody poorer and with less power and less legal authority than a widow. The dissonance between what they do and what they say is so horrendous that Jesus is has to sort of step back to see it. That's why he's he's overwatching the treasury. They have to live as if they were pious while doing desperately hideous things. When you need to buff up a bit, what are you covering up? When you need to wear the long robes to be just sort of enhancing yourself a little bit in the way you talk or the way you just kind of add a, a few sort of big notes to yourself, what are you What are you trying to avoid? What are you covering in yourself? This is terrible what's going on here but it's also tragic. Some people are not very clever at this. I think if you were to come in here suddenly dolled up to the nines in a fancy new suit or a fancy new dress and started waltzing around we would all know something's going on here. Some people, and these, these rich don't seem to be doing a very good job of it. They, they seem to be overcompensating for their desperate need to somehow fit in and belong. Their their desperate need to somehow be seen as more worthy than everyone else. Maybe they are actually inside feeling the complete opposite. I don't know. And we can't really know for sure. The less less that we can know is, is the widow's Reasons for doing what she does and as I said before, but what if what she's doing is coming fully as herself and that that's the contrast? What if her right, her invitation to be a part of the solid part of her community. Because remember, the temple is not a religious experience. We we have divorced church and religion from the rest of our lives in quite a strong way in Western culture in the last 200 years. But that was not the case. It was certainly not the case for most of human history. It certainly wasn't the case for the Jews in Jesus' time. The idea that you would come to the temple is to come to the very centre of culture. I'm not sure where the centre of culture is in our world. It might be when you're on television and you're famous. Certainly if you watch the plethora of uh, what they call reality television, which we know is, is not actually reality. Uh, I'm not even sure you class it as television, whatever it is. it's it's. Uh, it, but it's a desperate desire to be kind of at the centre of things. And so people are willing to, uh, in many cases, sort of debase themselves to appear on television because that's the centre of our culture. Or one centre. There's so many. You know, where, where would we go to, to know that we are fully alive, fully welcome, fully, um, respected, fully present, are supposed to be there? That's what the temple represents. And to come to the temple and to participate by giving to the great work of the temple, even if it's been deeply corrupted, Jesus is quite clear on that. That is to come to the centre of life to be fully alive and fully human and we know in our culture how hard it is to do that because how difficult it is if you're poor because the centre of our culture at least has got to do with consuming you know you're alive when you're shopping you know you're alive when you have the stuff that we need to have and the better the stuff we have the newer version of it that makes us alive and that's not that's not a wrong thing that just is a thing It's like breathing makes me alive. It's not good or bad, it just is. And my desire to have and to to kind of feel belonging is central to it. So I'm careful about the clothes I wear. You might not think I'm careful enough, I don't know, but you know, I I think about it because I don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want to offend anyone. I want to look kind of reasonably polished. And we all do the same. None of you sort of just picked up the first piece of clothing you could find today you chose it to some degree because we and that's not wrong, it's just the way we are that's who we are as human beings she's coming to the very centre of the world of how to be human she doesn't let the status given to her by others determine who she is she comes as herself she is designated poor she is designated a widow that tells you everything you need to know I'm here on a bridging visa. I'm here trying to live on job seeker allowance. I'm here on a pension but paying rent so I can barely afford to live. Those are the things that determine who we are in our culture. And that's exactly what's happened to her. But she gives everything. It says she gives all she has to live on, which to live as truly as you are, as the heart of who you are as a human being, is not necessarily going to be easy. And I think we could take that lesson from the fact that she gives all that she has. But she does it, and she does it in, in integrity, and she does it with strength. And Jesus is on about this all the way through his teaching. He says, listen... Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than just a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces many times over. It's the same way with anyone who holds on to life, just as it is. They destroy that life. But if they let it go, reckless in love, you will have it forever, real and eternal. That's from John there's a quote from the Gospel of Thomas, which is most people believe to be somewhat a link, uh, most scholars believe to be somewhat a link with the, the words of Jesus. It's probably three centuries later, uh, uh, but of course the Gospels we do have are all two centuries and much later, the, the versions that we have. So it's difficult to know exactly whether Jesus said any of these words. But there's a famous quote, and it, made, it was made famous because uh, Carl Jung picked it up in the, uh, the end of the 19th century. In, and started to use it as part of his teaching. And one translation of it says this, If you bring forth that which is within you, it will save you. If you do not bring forth that which is within you, it will destroy you. And Jesus says some words that you could say, look like that in our in the gospels that we have there's a sense where unless you live the honest true life that you've been given you'll be living a husk you'll be living like the rich covered in robes covering something up and if you live the truth Jesus says also in John the truth will set you free